listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. A quick disclaimer before we start this episode. I am probably going to pronounce every name and proper location incorrectly this episode. Please take pity on me. I just want to talk about monsters, but I am so, so bad at every human language. Sincere apologies in advance to all the cultures and deities mentioned. In the Northern Hemisphere, it's the height of summer, and that can only mean one thing. Time to hit the beach. And with everyone making their way to the ocean, There are more humans in the shallows than any other time of year. And more humans, as we all know, means more opportunity for trouble, specifically when it comes to interacting with sea life. On a related note, Shark Week on the Discovery Channel starts next week, July 23rd. And this is no accident. It's the middle of the summer, when tourists and locals alike are most likely to be headed into the ocean to cool off. And this is a mixed bag. On the one hand, I've done a quick once-over of the Discovery Week roster this year, and many of the shows this year seem to focus on shark behavior and new shark migration patterns, and educating the public on common shark behavior and where sharks are most likely to be is a good thing. Education is important for any interaction with wildlife, and education on how to avoid shark encounters is particularly important in a season where sharks are suddenly faced with human-infested waters. On the other hand, though, this year also features specials such as Great White Shark Serial Killer Lives, which is a mouthful, and The Lost Cage, which is described as a group of explorers floating in a cage offshore, trying to act as human lures for the deadliest shark. It may not surprise you when I tell you human and shark interactions are on the rise. This is due to a number of factors, including climate change leading sharks to seek out new territory, weather patterns such as El Nino, a rise in certain shark populations thanks to increased fishing regulations, and, most importantly, human population increase leading to more people than ever at the beach and in shark hunting grounds. But are sharks really the scourge of the ocean that the mass media has made them out to be? Let's take a better look at sharks and learn about some shark myths that actually matter. So first off, there are over 500 extant species of sharks, and they can be as small as 17 centimeters, or 6.7 inches, in the case of the dwarf lantern shark, or as large as 12 meters, or 40 feet in length, in the case of the whale shark. Sharks live in all season oceans, and some species of sharks, such as the bull shark and the river shark, can survive in both seawater and freshwater. While sharks are known for the numerous sets of teeth in their mouth, sharks also have something called dermal denticles, or placoid scales, which are essentially small, teeth-like scales that cover their skin and protect it from damage and parasites, and also improve their fluid dynamics. This tiny teeth-covered skin has been prized by humanity for generations, with one of its earliest applications being used to make hand grips for swords and one of its most recent applications being inspiring a swimsuit that allegedly improved the performance of Olympic athletes so much that it was banned from competition in 2008. 
Sharks have a lot more to offer, too, from insights in cancer research to improved understanding of electromagnetic fields. But unfortunately, because of violent interactions with humans, they're most commonly associated with attacks. Of the over 500 species of sharks in the world, only four species have been involved in a significant number of fatal, unprovoked attacks. The great white, the oceanic white tip, the tiger shark, and the bull shark. That's a pretty small slice of sharks as a group of elasmobranch fish. To put it in perspective, having a blanket fear of sharks based on these four species is kind of like being afraid of house cats because tigers attack people sometimes. Even then though, it's not a perfect analogy because unlike tigers, sharks can't leave the water, so they're even less of a threat to the average land-walking person. What's most interesting about this situation though is that while Western civilization is currently in a place of fear and malevolence towards sharks, in cultures where shark interaction is common, even dangerous shark interaction, the cultural perception of sharks is much different. Let's start in Fiji. In Fijian mythology, there is a shark god called Dakuwaka. He goes by other names, such as Takuwaka, but for the sake of simplicity, I'll be sticking with Dakuwaka. Dakuwaka can take the form of a shark or the form of a human, and even shapeshift into anything else he chooses, but this god's most common form is a muscular Fijian man with the upper torso of a shark. Unfortunately, I couldn't find out exactly which species of shark his upper torso is, but the most common species around Fiji are black-tip reef sharks, white-tip reef sharks, gray reef sharks, silver-tip sharks, tawny nurse sharks, sicklefin lemon sharks, bull sharks, and the occasional tiger shark. So choose your favorite shark. Dakuaka had a somewhat rough start as a fierce, impolite sea god. Originally charged with being the guardian of the reef entrance of the Fiji Islands, Dakuwaka's favorite pastime, instead of guardian duties, was turning himself into a shark and challenging other reef guardians to fights. He won every fight he started, much to the chagrin of the other reef guardians, until one day, the octopus god of Kadavu got tired of Dakuwaka's constant machismo and challenged the guardian to a fight. Dakuwaka, of course, accepted, and when he swam to Kadavu, he found the octopus god anchored to a piece of coral by four tentacles, with the other four floating freely in the current. Dakuwaka did not even think for a second about the logistics of fighting a creature with eight super strong arms, and charged right into the octopus's body. Which, of course, was exactly what the god of Kadavu wanted. The octopus god wrapped its four free arms around Dakuwaka, and the shark god was completely unable to break free. Now, many sharks need to constantly move to filter water past their gills to breathe, so I'd imagine this situation was, to say the least, uncomfortable for Dakuwaka. Finally, completely exhausted from trying to break free, Dakuwaka relented and pleaded with the octopus to release him. The octopus said it would, on two conditions. One, Dakuwaka would become the protector of the reefs and all their inhabitants, and two, Dakuwaka would stop picking fights with all the other deities. Dakuwaka, somewhat reluctantly I'd imagine, agreed, and from then on became the protector of the reefs and all the inhabitants of Kadavu, including humans, which call the reef home. 
Fijian culture is deeply intertwined with the ocean, and Dakuaka's role in this culture as a protector of the reefs and the creatures within the reefs continues to the present. Even today, before going fishing, the fishermen of Katavu offered Dakuaka a bowl of a local kava beverage called Yakona to ensure a safe return home. The locals of Katavu have such a great respect and affinity for sharks that Fiji has become known as one of the best spots to dive with sharks in the world, with local Katavu divers turning shark ecotourism into one of their fastest growing and most profitable industries. Now, Fiji may have the fierce Dakawaka as a shark god, but Hawaii has its fair share of sharks too. The Hawaiian islands play host to many species of shark, including the most frequently seen species, the white-tipped reef shark, the scalloped hammerhead shark, the tiger shark, the Galapagos shark, the gray reef shark, and the sandbar shark. With all these sharks, it should come as no surprise that the Hawaiian people decided one shark god just wasn't enough. Therefore, there are at least seven well-known shark gods in Hawaii. Some of the highlights include Kamoa O'Ali, the most respected shark god, the brother of Pele, and the brother and cousin of two more shark gods in this list, who swim around Maui and Kahu'olawe, and whose specialty was guiding ships lost at sea home, after being given an offering of kava, of course. Looking for a female shark god? You could also look into Ka'ahupahau, who is said to be born as a human with beautiful red hair. When she transformed into a shark god, her primary role was protecting her people from man-eating sharks, and she was thought to live in Pearl Harbor with her brother Kahioka, who would use his tail to strike enemy sharks, and also fishermen, to warn them that enemy sharks were nearby. Which, maybe they could have worked out a better system, but who am I to judge? Maybe you're just here for a good trickster god. Well, never fear, Hawaii has a bunch of those, and Kaneapua is no exception. This shark god was the trickster brother of Kamoa O'Ali and Pele, and is credited with such feats as the prevention of two hills colliding and urinating in his brother's only water source. And what about forbidden romances? Hawaiian shark gods have those too. The most well-known being the romance of Kiili'ikau Oka'u, the cousin of Kamoa O'Ali and Pele, and the protector of the Kau people. Kiili'ikau Oka'u fell in love with a human woman, and, after a time, this human woman birthed a green shark, and their son went on to help fishermen by driving fish toward their nets. And last but not least, maybe you're just looking for a god to help you out when the ocean gets too rough. Kani'i Kokala is a shark god who was revered for taking shipwreck victims to safety. His sacred fish was the Kokala, and those that believed in his existence would not touch or eat this fish for fear of displeasing him. Which I completely agree is a solid plan. Why would you even risk pissing off a god that saves people from shipwrecks just to eat one type of fish? So as you've heard, to the people who know sharks best, Fijians, Hawaiians, and other Pacific Islanders, sharks are complex, and humanity's relationship with them is complicated. But ultimately, a positive and even harmonious relationship is possible. Let me tell you two quick, completely true stories. In 2015, 
A man named Eugene Finney was on vacation with his wife and two children in Huntington Beach, California. The 39-year-old man was out swimming in the water when he was suddenly struck in the back with a tremendous force. Dazed, he got out of the water only to discover he was bleeding from a severe wound on his back. He then saw the fins, and as the lifeguard on duty ordered people out of the water, he realized he had been attacked by a shark. Now, he was initially treated for the immediate injury at a local hospital, but after returning home to Massachusetts, Mr. Finney was still suffering from back and chest pain from the incident. He visited a Massachusetts hospital, and doctors treating his blunt trauma wounds discovered a stage 1 tumor growing on his right kidney. Because it was in its early stages still, doctors were able to remove the tumor, and Mr. Finney did not have to undergo radiation or chemotherapy for what could have been a life-threatening condition. In 2012, a man named Tokai Titoi of Kiribati, a Micronesian island nation near Hawaii, spent 105 days adrift at sea after an impromptu fishing trip with his brother-in-law on a trip home from the capital of Tarawa ended with the two men running out of fuel and water reserves. His brother-in-law passed away after five weeks without adequate fresh water, but Tokai was able to hang on until a rainstorm provided necessary fresh water. Tokai prayed, and waited, and I quote, to see if he would be rescued or join his brother-in-law. Fifteen weeks into being lost at sea, Tokai, after failing to get the attention of a passing fishing boat, was taking a nap. After all, there was nothing else he could do. When he claims a six-foot shark banged into the hull of his fishing boat, waking Tokai and circling the boat. The policeman then noticed that the boat he thought had passed him by earlier was now closer, and some of the crew members were looking at Tokai's boat with binoculars. Now awake, Tokai was able to get the attention of the crew members, at which point the shark simply swam off. After his rescue, Tokai credited the shark with guiding him. Now, I've presented these news clippings with as much impartiality as I can, but if these stories don't make you at least pause for a minute and reconsider our relationship with sharks, nothing will. So, in short, some shark populations are on the rise. The human population is on the rise. Last year, in 2016, there were about 82 worldwide shark incidents, a very small percentage of which were fatal. Last year, in 2016, around 100 million sharks were killed by humans. So, this year, enjoy Shark Week. By all means, tell your friends, and watch some videos of sharks biting things, and some silly humans floating in a cage trying to provoke sharks. But never forget which species is really infesting the waters. The sharks certainly won't. As always, if you want to learn more, I hope you'll check out the show notes. We've got some really good stories in the show notes this time, and I encourage you to read a little bit more about the Hawaiian shark gods. Trust me, it's worth it. Musical score and intro and outro are all done by reigning MC Scott Ethington. If you like the music, don't waste a second. Find more of his work at Bazooka Raccoon on SoundCloud. Finally, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can 
to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening. And remember, anyone can be a monster. <laughs>